Hey, everyone. It is Friday, December 1st, the 12th and final month of 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. This is the place, of course, where we bring you just the facts and we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. It'll just be me today. Wild week of travel and news. Of course, uh, Jill's also been under the weather, uh, but we're not breaking up. It probably seems weird to all of you. You're like, well, Moshe did a solo episode. Jill did a solo episode. Now Moshe's solo. No worries at all. We'll be back together next week. I promise, but you will have to uh, end the week with me here. We have a lot of news to get to as we head into the weekend here and begin the month of December. Let's start with the headlines. We're going to begin today with the fallout from those Elon Musk choice words, including F-bombs, for all of those major companies that have stopped advertising on X. We'll tell you how all those companies are reacting. There's a new plan to get U.S. cities to replace lead pipes within the next 10 years. But will it actually happen and how much will it cost? The U.S. is now ratcheting up pressure on Israel to be more cognizant of preventing civilian deaths on the Palestinian side if the war is set to continue, and it could restart as soon as this weekend. Today is George Santos's likely last day as a congressman. We think there'll be a big vote today. We'll tell you what to expect and what George is saying on his way out. We'll stay on Capitol Hill for a more positive story. One senator saving another's life yesterday with the Heimlich Maneuver. The first TikTok ban in the U.S. was set to start in just a few weeks here, but a judge has put it on hold. Sports Illustrated, remember that magazine? Well, they're still around, and they're the latest media company that has been damaged by what appears to be an experiment in using AI reporters. And it is Friday, so I'll bring you our Cheers to the Freaking Weekend segment. It's me solo, but I'll tell you what we're watching, reading, and eating. I actually have Jill's choices right here, so you will also get a sense of what her weekend is set to be. All right, but let's get started here with our top story. Those comments from Elon Musk heard around the world this week. You've probably seen the clip by now on our Instagram page or online. Some explicit choice words for a number of major companies. I'll have a clip for you in just a second. But advertisers on Thursday said they don't plan to reopen their wallets anytime soon after Musk insulted brands using an expletive and told them not to spend on their platform. Well, several major marketing agencies said the brands they represent are standing firm and saying they have no reason to return to X after seeing his comments this week. Many of those advertisers have actually instituted temporary pauses in spending. They're not going to be turned into permanent cancellations, according to those major marketing agencies. But let's back up here for a second. Here is the latest controversial exchange. From late Wednesday, CNBC anchor Andrew Ross Sorkin interviewing Elon Musk about his conduct on X that included in recent weeks, and we told you about this on the pod and on the Instagram account, Elon Musk basically promoting and reacting positively to anti-Semitic tweets that caused some major brands like Disney, led by Bob Iger, who's mentioned in this next clip, to pull their advertising from the platform. Just the latest controversy. It's just been over a year now since Elon Musk took over, and uh, the only constant is the change and the controversy at X, formerly known as Twitter. Now, keep in mind, Musk traveled to Israel earlier this week. It was seen as an apology tour of sorts after promoting those anti-Semitic tweets. Okay, here is a clip of Musk, again, a language warning here, with his choice F-bombs for various companies that have dropped advertising on X. Uh, In conversation, you'll hear his voice at the top with Andrew Ross Sorkin. This had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope they stop. You hope... Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, 
yourself. But go yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Again, the Bob that he mentions there is Bob Iger, the Disney CEO. Along with Disney, you had Apple, IBM, Comcast, Warner Brothers, uh, Paramount, Lionsgate. The list continues. They all pulled their ads earlier in November after Musk said he agreed with a social media post that accused Jews of pushing hatred against white people. The uh, tweets that Musk promoted drew condemnation from a number of uh, major figures, including at the White House, which blasted Musk for promoting anti-Semitic and racist hate. Now, notably, while the F-bombs are getting a lot of attention, in the same interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin this week, Musk actually apologized for his inflammatory comments. He said it probably promoting that anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that Jews are pushing hate against white people. Uh, Musk said was one of the most foolish, if not the most foolish, things he's ever done on the platform. So at the same time, he was apologetic on Wednesday, but then he went super aggressive, as you heard in the clip. So not doing himself any favors there with the apology. The CEO of X, Linda Yaccarino, she was recruited by Musk to run the company uh, this past year and has spent a lot of time trying to basically mop up for a number of his messes, tried to smooth things over with her own tweet on the platform. She described Musk's comments as a, quote, explicit point of view about our position. We're a platform that allows people to make their own decisions, she wrote. And here's my perspective when it comes to advertising. X is standing in a unique and amazing intersection of free speech and Main Street, and the X community is powerful and is here to welcome you. So effectively, a softer version of Musk's comments there. What's notable here, X is dependent on advertising, uh, and already X is valued at about half of what Elon bought it for. He bought it for just over $40 billion. It's probably worth close to $20 billion, probably less than that at this point. And Sorkin gets into it with Musk in this conversation, saying, well, how can you say that? You know, you're going to go down without advertising. And Musk says, well, those companies like Disney will have to live with killing Twitter. Sorkin pushed back, saying it's not necessarily their fault. They were uncomfortable with the type of content you're now promoting on the platform. It'll be you who killed the company by making it inhospitable uh, for these companies. Well, Musk kept pushing back and pushing back, finally saying at the end, well, tell it to the judge. They'll have to determine who killed X. The judge being, in Musk's words, the public. But let's turn to another story now, a story relevant to all Americans, not just those of you on Twitter. This has to do with the water coming out of our faucets. Within the next 10 years, about 9 million lead pipes throughout the U.S. could be replaced. That's based on a new rule, stricter rules, put out by the EPA. It comes as the Biden White House is trying to uh, make drinking water lead-free, prevent future crises like the one we saw back in Flint, Michigan in recent years. Now, it actually turns out that lead is still pretty prevalent uh, in our pipes across the country in all 50 states, uh, including in a number of states where they don't even track it anymore. And that's made it challenging to really get a sense of all the states that have lead in the pipes. The cost here right now at the White House, they believe will cost about $30 billion to eliminate the 9 million lead pipes I mentioned. Biden says the infrastructure law that he passed last year includes $15 billion to do this. They've also found another $12 billion in a separate fund that can be allocated to this. These new EPA regulations would be the strictest limit set on lead in drinking water since federal standards were first set. They'll expand on rules created back in the early 90s. What the water utilities around the country will need to do now is eliminate lead pipes over the next 10 years at a pace of about 10% each year. 
They'll have to report lower lead levels, create better inventories of all of their lead pipes, and increase tap water sampling requirements. Now, beyond the whole controversy in Flint in recent years, there's been a number of other cities that have replaced their lead pipes. That's Newark, New Jersey, Benton Harbor, Michigan, and Green Bay, Wisconsin. So it can be done community by community. I posted a map on Instagram yesterday showing the lead pipes that remain in a number of states, at least the estimates of the lead pipes, because again, uh, some states don't actually track all the lead pipes that they have. Now, while they're looking to spend $30 billion on this, the EPA actually estimates that the cost to fully fix the drinking water infrastructure in this country uh, to make it totally clean will be closer to $625 billion. Of course, money is not set aside for that, but that's their estimate. Contaminant exposure disproportionately affects lower-income communities and communities of color, according to the data. And again, the extent of the lead pipe still not known in many parts of the U.S., Now, there are current regulations. They're trying to ratchet things up in terms of the allowable level of lead in the water. And it's not just in our water, right? Lead can be found in the air, dust, food, toys, paint. You often hear of recalls, lead concerns. You can't see, taste, or smell lead when it's dissolved in water. So the only sure way is to test. Now, rest assured, there's a lot of uh, useful information on the EPA website about how to test your water for lead, your tap water for lead. And it costs anywhere between $20 to $100 to test your water for lead. But in some cities, and you can look this up, like in New York City, it's totally free to get your water tested for lead. Remember, there are health implications here. Uh, among the issues for adults when it comes to lead in tap water, nerve damage, increased blood pressure, hearing and vision impairment, as well as reproductive problems. For children, those who are getting too much lead will see behavior problems, lower IQ, hyperactivity, uh, and uh, things like hearing problems and anemia. Now, again, the first thing here is to test your water for lead and to get a proper filter to take lead out. Uh, not all filters are created equal. Make sure when you get a water filter that it is certified to remove lead. We have more in the Mo newsletter today. All right, before we get started with today's speed read, we first want to get to our sponsor this week. Thank our big sponsor, Factor Meals. We're definitely pressed for time in our house, but we still want to eat healthy and nutritious. And that's why we're so excited to be partnering with Factor. They are America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. We're not talking about frozen meals from the grocery store here. We're talking about freshly made, refrigerated meals. They can help you fuel up fast, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. They are chef-prepared, dietitian-approved. I've been using them for several weeks now, uh, mainly for lunch, and really loving the taste here. They're grab-and-go. As I mentioned, they're delivered, not frozen, refrigerated. Uh, You take them, you can heat them up in a couple minutes, and I have to say they're pretty good. With our partnership and the special deal, you get to skip the extra trip to the grocery store, the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up, while still getting flavor and nutritional quality here. Again, they're never frozen, ready in two minutes. Uh, They also offer special occasion meals. You can choose from more than 35 weekly meal options. They also have a bunch of uh, to-go items that don't require heating up, like grain bowls, salad toppers. They also have a bunch of breakfast options, as well as uh, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, shakes, Definitely give them a try. You can head over to factormeals.com slash monews50. That is factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R, meals.com slash monews50 to get 50% off. Again, the code is monews50 at factormeals.com slash monews50 for 50% off. Definitely check it out. 
All right, now time to get to the speed read. We'll start with the Wall Street Journal. Israel's military said early Friday that it has resumed combat operations in the Gaza Strip that came minutes after a temporary truce with Hamas expired this morning. Remember, the truce started last Friday. It was a four-day truce. had been extended a couple times, but Israel blamed Hamas for breaking the ceasefire and so moved ahead with returning to combat operations today. During the week-long truce, Hamas and other terror groups had released more than 100 hostages in return for more than 200 Palestinian prisoners that were serving time in Israeli jails. The return to the war came as Hamas took responsibility for a shooting attack in Jerusalem yesterday that killed four Israelis, two Palestinian brothers affiliated with Hamas, pulled their car up to a bus stop, walked out, and then started randomly killing and wounding Israelis who were waiting for the morning bus. Those two brothers were killed. Hamas took responsibility and celebrated the attack on Thursday. That attack came just hours before the seventh hostage exchange, Hamas releasing eight more Israeli hostages, Israel releasing another 30 Palestinian prisoners. On the hostage side, it appears now all underage hostages have been released from Gaza, except the two young Bibas children, the four-year-old and 10-month-old boys of that family, the kids that were taken with their mom and dad. You've seen the pictures. Uh, The two little boys have red hair. Now, Hamas has claimed that the mother and those two boys are dead, but it has not provided any proof. And previous statements from Hamas about which prisoners were dead, which were alive, have turned out to be false. And so there's no confirmation as of this recording as to the fate of that family. But they're getting a lot of attention around the world. Many people uh, hoping and praying that the 10-month-old boy, those two beautiful boys, are still alive. Beyond that family, as I mentioned, there's about 150 hostages that remain in the Gaza Strip, and that includes eight Americans as of Friday morning. This came as U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in the region visiting the Palestinian leaders, the Israeli leaders on Thursday. And it appears that the exchanges behind the scenes between Blinken and the Israelis got pretty hot as the White House is putting a lot of pressure on Israel now, saying that it needs to do a better job of limiting Palestinian civilian casualties if and when the war restarts here. For the first seven weeks of the war or so, the U.S. effectively gave Israel pretty much a blank check to execute the war how it wanted to. But of course, Biden is facing pressure internationally, facing pressure among Democrats at home to do more to prevent civilian casualties. And so Blinken's been in the region sort of reading Israel the riot act saying, you know, ultimately, we need you guys to really concentrate on focusing on Hamas and limiting civilian casualties, uh, especially in southern Gaza, as compared to what happened in northern Gaza. Blinken said the massive loss of civilian life and displacement of civilians in the north cannot repeated, adding that the way Israel defends itself matters. Intent matters, but so do results. Reportedly, behind the scenes, the Israelis said it could take several more months for them to eliminate Hamas. Uh, Blinken apparently, according to Israeli media, saying, you don't have months, you have weeks. The Israelis apparently pushing back, saying they're going to take as much time as they need to uh, meet the security needs of their country. And for the Israelis, that means eliminating Hamas rule over the Gaza Strip. Right now, Israel claims it's killed between five and 6,000 Hamas fighters within the Gaza Strip. The estimate is that there was actually 30,000 members of the Hamas militant and terror wings in the Gaza Strip. And the overall estimates from Gaza is upwards of 15,000 people are dead, which means if the Israeli estimates are right, about a third have been combatants and then another 9,000 or so have been civilians.
And this all comes as the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Israel is looking at multiple plans for post-Hamas Gaza. Their plan, of course, is to remove Hamas leadership there. One of the questions they have is what to do with all these Hamas fighters, the 20 to 25,000 or so that remain. Uh, They're trying to look at plans to get them out of the country, whether they go to a place like Iran or Lebanon, sort of a pie-in-the-sky idea. But it's similar to what happened in Lebanon 40 years ago. That followed a conflict there. The Palestinians were using... At the time, the PLO uh, was using it as a base to attack Israel. Israel then invaded Lebanon, and then eventually they would strike a deal to end that war 40 years ago, allowing the Palestinian fighters to basically go on a boat to Tunisia uh, and end that war. And so they're looking at something similar here from Gaza to a TBD location. Again, unclear uh, what that location would be. On the governing side, Israel is apparently hoping, according to the Wall Street Journal, to have a Saudi Arabia or Egypt come in to manage post-war reconstruction in Gaza. Among those who haven't approved that plan, Saudi Arabia and Egypt, who are not game as of now, saying basically to Israel, you need to manage this, and the Israelis do not want to manage the reconstruction of the Gaza Strip. So a lot of finger pointing right now, but the um, reports right now show that there are preliminary discussions happening between lead Arab countries, the U.S., Israel, and the Palestinian Authority, that's the Palestinian leadership in the West Bank, the non-Hamas leadership, over what to do in Gaza. You're looking at a rebuild that'll probably be in the tens of billions, if not in the hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, according to an estimate, a satellite estimate this week uh, via the BBC. About 100,000 buildings have been destroyed in the Gaza Strip in the first two months of the war. All right. Our next story comes to us from Politico. With the U.S. House set to vote today to expel Congressman George Santos, the New York Republican congressman still looking to have the final word here. He held a news conference on Thursday saying, basically, hell no, I won't go. Santos arguing yesterday that he is being bullied in the wake of a scathing ethics report uh, that actually laid out some pretty damning conduct. But asked why he won't resign and he's forcing the House to basically vote him out, Santos said, because if I leave, they win. If I leave, the bullies take place. And this is bullying. So Santos has already announced that he would not seek re-election next year. That followed a recent House Ethics Committee report that laid out a lot of unethical and in some cases illegal conduct that Santos has been up to in the last year. But of course, that means his term would end next January, meaning he has 14 months left in Congress. And it appears his colleagues are not ready to hang out with him and allow him to continue to walk and roam and vote um, in Congress for another 14 months. The report said that he, quote, sought to fraudulently exploit every aspect of his House candidacy for his own personal financial profit. Uh, It lays out how he used campaign funds to buy everything from luxury goods to things at Sephora to things at Hermes, uh, OnlyFans membership. Uh, And that came after he lied about his job, his name, his family lineage, uh, in some cases saying he you know, had family members in the Holocaust, all untrue, his education, his entire career, uh, we've been through them on this podcast. But basically, he lied about everything, and then he was abusing campaign funds here. So today's vote is not the first one. And in fact, this would be the third attempt to take out Santos here. He also is facing 23 federal charges on identity theft, credit card fraud, and other crimes. But so far, they haven't been able to get to the two-thirds vote they need of Congress to drop him. Many saying he hasn't been convicted. He's just been accused of crimes. And so they were reluctant to vote him out. But now with this ethics committee report, they're like, actually, there's enough here. It's time for him to go. 
Santos, by the way, as part of his uh, final hurrah, filed his own expulsion measure against Congressman Jamal Bowman. He's a Democrat uh, from New York. He's the one who uh, pulled that fire alarm and claimed it was a he thought it was an exit button, but it was clearly a fire alarm. He admitted to a misdemeanor recently uh, for pulling the fire alarm to block a vote. Santos saying, well, he should get expelled. Bowman saying, not a shot, man. In a statement, he writes, no one in Congress or anyone in America takes soon-to-be former Congressman George Santos seriously. This is just another meaningless stunt in his long history of cons, antics, and outright fraud. So uh, as we end the weekend here, it might be goodbye to George Santos. We'll keep you up to date on the Instagram account today. All right, now to this from the Associated Press, a more positive story from Capitol Hill, and a reminder to Google how to give the Heimlich maneuver because you could save a life today. The latest example comes to us from the U.S. Senate. Senator Joni Ernst, she's a Republican from Iowa, happened to be choking on food during a luncheon yesterday when fellow Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky performed the Heimlich on her. The incident occurred during a closed-door Republican lunch in the Capitol. Ernst was seen walking in the Capitol after the incident, and she said she was very grateful to her colleague, Rand Paul, for being able to help her. By the way, Rand Paul formerly worked as an eye doctor before he became a U.S. Senator. Ernst tweeted the following, I can't help but choke on the woke policies Dems are forcing down our throats. Thanks, Rand Paul. Guess everyone trying to have fun with the incident, but this is not the first time that a senator has received the Heimlich maneuver from another senator during a lunch. It was just five years ago when Senator Joe Manchin performed the Heimlich on Claire McCaskill. She's the former senator from Missouri. Uh, He actually did it so aggressively Uh, He actually cracked her rib in the process, but was able to get the blockage out. So while the Senate may not be voting on many things that are changing your lives, at least a couple cases here of uh, senators saving other senators' lives. All right, our next story comes to us from Market Watch, with oil markets sagging. The world's major oil producers, uh, members of OPEC Plus, agreed on Thursday to cut oil production by almost 700,000 barrels a day starting early next year. That's about 1% of global supplies. Why does that matter? It's their attempt to prop up the price of oil, and it could have an impact on all of us at the pump next year. Now, analysts say the effort would keep oil prices, the price of a barrel, between $80 to $90. Uh, That's significant because member countries like Saudi Arabia, Russia, who are all part of OPEC, like to keep oil at above $80 a barrel, in some cases above $90 a barrel for optimal profitability for their economies. They have this sweet spot where they don't want oil to get too cheap, but if it gets too expensive, uh, then people aren't using it. So 80 to 90 seems to be their sweet spot, and it comes as global demand for oil is set to lower next year amid an economic slowdown in China. China is the largest importer of crude, so the Chinese economy dictates the oil economy these days. Uh, Also, there are lower projections of growth in many parts of the world, so OPEC Plus trying to prop up prices here. At the same time, there's a bunch of oil producers who aren't in OPEC. That includes here in the U.S., Guyana, and uh, for now, Brazil, the U.S. and those countries will be among those actually boosting production in the coming months to make up for the fact that OPEC is cutting production. And people forget this. Here in the U.S., we're the number one oil producer in the world and the number one producer of natural gas. Uh, in fact, in September, U.S. crude production hit a monthly all-time record of just over 13.2 million barrels a day produced. 
But keep in mind, despite all the oil we produce here in America, there's lots of different types of crude, which means the U.S. needs to export some of our oil, and we also need to import some of our oil. The type of oil you find below Saudi Arabia, for example, is different than the type of oil that you find in Texas. Um, so that's something you should keep in mind. We've done a deep dive on that that's available over on the Mo News Premium Instagram account. You can join Mo News Premium today over at mo.news/premium for our deep dives, get your questions answered, and just to support what we're doing here at Mo News. Again, that's mo.news slash premium. All right, from NPR now, real briefly, a federal judge has blocked a law in Montana that was looking to ban TikTok across the state. It's a blow to the attempt they made in that state to become the first state to restrict TikTok completely within the state's borders. The ruling came yesterday. Uh, the law was set to go into effect in just over a month on January 1st, so it has now been temporarily halted. The U.S. District Judge, his name is Donald Malloy, said that Montana's TikTok ban oversteps state power and likely violates the First Amendment. The judge added that Montana as a state does not have authority over foreign affairs, and he didn't find the national security case presented against TikTok very convincing, writing that if anything, the Montana law has had a pervasive undertone of anti-Chinese sentiment. Now, keep in mind, this ruling is preliminary. It'll go up through the court system, a final determination will be made following a trial expected sometime next year. Right now, about one out of every two Americans uses TikTok. It has, for years, though, been under scrutiny over fears that the fact that it's owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance, and they could be giving sensitive data to Chinese authorities, and that China can use TikTok as a propaganda tool. So we've been talking about this a lot. Montana was the first state to try to ban TikTok. It appears here that a judge is stopping it. But uh, it's probably not the last you'll be hearing of this, and we will keep you up to date on all of it. Finally now, from Reuters, you can call it an AI experiment gone wrong. Sports Illustrated, remember that magazine? Well, they're online now, and they're the latest media company to see its reputation damaged by being less than forthcoming, if not downright dishonest, about who or what is writing its stories right now. Now, on Monday, a website called Futurism reported that Sports Illustrated was using stories for product reviews that had authors it could not identify. They found a picture, in fact, of one of the authors listed that went by the name Drew Ortiz on a website that sells AI-generated portraits. So there's a fake bio, fake name, fake picture. And so people have had questions for Sports Illustrated about this. It turns out that Sports Illustrated has been outsourcing some of its content, some of its stories, to a third-party company called Advon Commerce. So Sports Illustrated basically put its hand up saying, we don't use AI. And so the follow-up went to Advan, who says the reporters are real, not AI, but the real reporters were using pen names, were using fake names uh, to put out their articles. Now, I will tell you, as someone in journalism, that was a very odd thing for a journalist not to want to have credit for their coverage. Regardless, that's what Advan claimed here. Either way, it does not appear Sports Illustrated bought the excuse. The Sports Illustrated has fired Advan from producing further content for their website. And SI further deleted all the questionable stories from SI.com. In a statement, the Sports Illustrated Writers Union said they were horrified uh, to find out what was going on here, that some of this content on the website was potentially AI content here. But Sports Illustrated is not the first company to get some controversy here uh, for having AI written articles on their website. Uh, BuzzFeed recently attributed a travel article to an AI author. Earlier this year, Gannett, the largest newspaper chain in America, which includes USA Today, paused an experiment at some of its newspapers to use AI to generate articles about high school sports events after a number of errors were discovered. So it appears here, 
AI not ready for prime time, and a number of media companies get into some trouble here using fake reporters. So in some cases, you got some fake news here written by fake people. Uh, in some cases, real news written by fake people. Either way, not a good look. And I imagine it'll be a while before other media companies might try this next. All right. We end here with Cheers to the Freaking Week and a little lonely to do it solo, but nonetheless, we do it every Friday, so we'll bring it to you here. We're going to begin here with what we're watching this weekend. Jill tells me she's taking her daughter to the new Disney movie, Wish. Though I should note, Jill, if you're listening, I haven't seen great reviews for it so far, but I do hope you enjoy it. As for myself, my plan is to stream American Symphony on Netflix. That's the new documentary about John Batiste. You might know him as the uh, lead musician on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert extremely talented uh, musician, and this documentary looks awesome. All right, next up, we have what we're reading this weekend. Jill is reading a New York Times story about the latest wave of Taylor Swift classes in college. Literal, there are courses now at Harvard and a number of other top universities focused on T-Swift herself, her music, her words. I'm not sure how many parents are happy about college tuition going to a course on Taylor Swift, but it appears it's all the rage right now on a number of campuses. On my end, I'm reading a book called Lords of the Desert, The Battle Between the U.S. and Great Britain for Supremacy in the Modern Middle East. This looks back at basically how England uh, ran the Middle East for a number of years and the U.S. took over after World War II, how that transition went down, and what it explains about what we're seeing today nearly 100 years later. All right, finally, what we're eating this weekend, Jill tells me that she's getting started with traditional Hanukkah gelt. For those of you unfamiliar, they're traditional little chocolate coins that are given out uh, during the Jewish holiday, which begins next week. One thing I'm digging right now on the food front, Harmless Harvest, you might know them as the coconut water brand. Well, they make yogurt. Uh, Alex, my wife, found them at the grocery store recently, and I've been loving them right now. They have a mango flavor, Harmless Harvest coconut-based yogurt. Digging that right now. By the way, we should mention they are not a sponsor. That's literally just, I'm into their yogurt right now. There you have it, a free plug to our friends at Harmless Harvest. All right, I want to thank all of you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast this week. I know it's been me and Jill together, uh, Jill solo, me solo. We'll have it together for you next week. No worries at all. If you like what you're hearing, please share it with your friends. Loved all of you sharing your Spotify wraps the past couple of days. The fact that our podcast, in some cases our premium podcast, also finishes in your top five is just so incredible. And I'm so grateful to all of you for your incredible support. I'm glad you're getting a lot out of this podcast. And if you have feedback, please DM and try to get to as many of your messages as possible. You can also email us over at info at mo.news with feedback, positive, negative suggestions. We're open to it. Anyway, guys, have a safe and wonderful weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.